We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante along with the big daddy, Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, we're ready to hit the James Franklin era. We talked about uh, Bill O'Brien. He had two years coaching. And then James Franklin comes in. I'm not sure what the expectations were when when he began. The team was still under the sanctions, still dealing with it. And they looked like it. James Franklin's first two years, 2014 and 15, they were 7-6, and 7-6. Six, and, six. and I think the only thing that really stood out was in the Tax Slayer Bowl, which they lost in 2015, Christian Hackenberg got hurt. This quarterback came in that we had never seen before, really, Trace McSorley, and he held his own. He, he did more than hold his own. And, and, you know, like I would liken that situation to trying to figure out right now what's Christian Veyu. Uh, is he the is he a long term answer to a long term question or is he not? Uh, you have some reason to be optimistic, and that's kind of what the way it was with McSorley. Um, you know, no, first of all, McSorley had to be uh, kind of he he kind of had to be the next guy. So whether you like it or not, this guy was coming. Uh, their quarterback situation really for the longest time there there just wasn't any margin for error. And I would make the point I've made this point before. I would make the point that the fact that Christian Hackenberg stayed upright and he offered somewhat quality quarterback play uh, over the course of his career didn't. Didn't force any anybody into the lineup for a great amount of time. Did so much for trying to solve this problem when it came to depth at the quarterback position because they didn't have any. I mean, it wasn't until pretty recently that Penn State finally got some warm bodies at quarterback. And then what happened then was the whole college football culture changed and everybody was able to transfer out and the transfer culture became more and more prominent. So it's been a sort of a long journey there. But, you know, Hackenberg, his presence meant a lot. Uh, probably more than than a lot of Penn State fans really uh, appreciate it at this point. But yeah, we saw McSorley, you know, in that Tax Slayer Bowl, and you, you liked what you saw. Um, I'm not sure if you could have really taken it to the bank like that 2016 was coming based off of what you saw in that game, but you knew he was a gamer, and I think he, the way he played in that game supported it. Well, then you had 2016 was definitely the beginning of the McSorley era. Joe Moorhead came in, but the team started. Two and two, already some rumblings about James Franklin. And I'll give Sandy Barber some credit. That very week at two and two, she gave him a vote of confidence, a really a vote of confidence. And they went to, they at home played Minnesota, had to make a comeback at the end of the game just to tie it. And then in overtime, what happened, Dusty? That they they win it on on a twenty five yard run by Saquon Barkley, and every everything changes. 
You know, they're they're down 13 to 3 at the half. And this is the first game after getting beat 49 to 10 by Michigan on the road. This comes after, you know, you, you limp past uh, Temple, you lose to, to Pitt in a game that, that looked like they probably should have won it late. I mean, you talk about how this season and this team could have been defined, how this program could have been defined, and how how fragile that that is. I mean, this comeback in the second half against this Minnesota team was uh, monumental for, for the Penn State football program. And it also kind of set into motion that tendency from this 2016 team to play lights out for the final 30 minutes. Maybe not so uh, in the first 30 minutes of a game, but lights out in the second 30 minutes. And then, you know, a few weeks later, yeah, a couple weeks later, I guess, uh, um, they, they, they beat Ohio State. And then obviously everything changes from there. They were still unranked when Ohio State came into Beaver Stadium um, in mid-October. And a case, again, of a whiteout game changing everything. Uh, the fan noise helped. The fans were part of the game. And when that, that game, you knew something special was brewing with this Penn State team. As you said, too, that tendency of falling behind early and coming back to win – it just happened over and over again. And by the way, they didn't just win games like nine wins in a row. They beat the spread pretty much every week also. Or so I heard, Dusty. So it, 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 to took, it took a, a while. Team, it took a while for Vegas to, and, and I don't think they ever really did. You know, and I think sometimes that happens where, uh, you know, a team gets pigeonholed before the season starts and they're just kind of destined to meet to beat expectations all year. That was 2016 for sure. Unranked and, uh, you know, two and two blown out by Michigan. You know, Vegas never really came back from that one. And, and Penn State was always that team kind of in their eyes. And if somebody were smart enough to bet this team, they would have done well, Dusty, or so I heard. And... If you want to have some fun, go to YouTube, go somewhere, and find a replay of the Penn State-Wisconsin Big Ten Championship game. Has there ever been a more fun game? Penn State down, what, three touchdowns, and at that point, all you could say is, Penn State's got them right where they want them. Right, Dusty? But my God, did Wisconsin feel good about themselves at that point in time. 28-7, there's dancing on the sidelines. It's like nobody had watched film on what Penn State could do and what they typically had done so so often. So at 28-7, I mean, I think even diehard Penn State fans were really starting to think like, okay, we've been a second-half team, but are, are we really going to come back from this? Uh, and it turns out they were, and and you, you did. Uh, and where, you know, talk about unlikely heroes. Like in that Minnesota game, it was Irv Charles with that big touchdown that really kind of jump-started things. And this one, you know, at the end of the first half, Saeed Blacknall, the Jim Galanti hero, Long touchdown pass to start the to, to to end the first half. Long touchdown pass to start the second, and and Penn State was off and running twenty eight to seven in a flash. Not with Saquon Barkley, but with Saeed Blacknall goes from twenty eight seven to twenty eight twenty one, and uh, and the rest kind of became history from there. 
and just as the aside, what Dustin's referencing there, since we've been doing this show since like 2015 or 16, so we were already doing this show, and we always joke with each other, we have man crushes on certain players. Saeed Blacknall was one of my guys. So, yes, I was celebrating that. And, Dusty, before we hit the other seasons, because I do want to, Penn State lost in the Rose Bowl to USC. Similar kind of game. They were down a few touchdowns. I believe they scored three touchdowns on three straight offensive plays at one point. And it was like, whoa, they came back too early. (laughs) They gave USC time. But it was a game, even with the loss, I wasn't terribly broken up about it because it was such a phenomenal game, so entertaining, and I thought Penn State represented themselves very well. So what you ended up with here was a 20 uh, and what was it an 11 and three season counting the bowl game. And it was the beginning of three 11 win seasons out of four years. And those couple seasons, 2017 and 2019, which I want you to hit on, Dusty, there were games where they were ready to slay the giant. Ohio State twice had, like, double-digit leads in the fourth quarter and could not hold on. But you saw them right on the cusp there, right? Just ready to come be changed from a really good team to a, a late program. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's not your phrasing. That's James Franklin's phrasing when talking about Penn State and Ohio State and how close they were versus how far away they were. And, uh, you know, in that USC game, I kind of remember, you know, the criticism was uh, not playing um, with a lead well enough, not maintaining aggression, kind of getting into that playing not to lose mindset. And I think that was true of, of a couple of those Ohio State losses too, where they had built leads and they, they kind of changed who they were um, to try to, you know, fight against the clock and not keep playing, not keep, you know, playing to score points. So you saw that. And, you know, I think just in, in the, in the whole grand scheme of things, I mean, you seeing what they were in 2016 and how close they were again in 2017, um, you know, I, I think to see where they are now and to see how they, how they, they, they kind of stopped taking steps from great toward elite. Now we're kind of wondering where exactly they are on that entire spectrum. Like, where are they on the good, great elite spectrum at this very moment? Like, what can you expect from them in 2022? You know, they just kind of, for a variety of reasons, and I think maybe just not having the quarterback in place after Trakes McSorley, um, maybe that's it. I don't I don't know, but they, they you know, the, that last step to take, the, the most difficult step to take, ended up being, you know, I think a lot of people would agree, just a step backwards from there. And now they're, you know, it's kind of fascinating where they are currently and uh, and where they might be going and and what role does the quarterback play in it? You know, wh- if Trace McSorley were the quarterback right now, how good would this team be? Like, I, you know, I think they're, they're still trying to make that step. And now, you know, they're having to jump from very good to elite instead of great to elite, I think. And Dustin... After going through this, and we are going to do another segment on the 2020s, which isn't going to be real pleasant, did we forget already that James Franklin had this streak of, you know, four years with three seasons of 11 wins where they were a really, really good team? And have we forgotten that? And have we forgotten the history of the other teams through the 70s, 80s, and 90s where 
those really, really good teams were often followed by a year or two of subpar play. That's been a tendency based on your own teams. And I think, you know, from top to bottom, the Big Ten has gotten a lot more competitive than than it was even in those in those stretches in the 80s and 90s. You know, there there are far fewer pushover games, I think, now. You know, looking at what Indiana is and what Maryland is and what Minnesota is and you know, all, all these programs, like it's it's just it's just tough to win eleven games from one season to the next without any uh without any breaking in, in that point. And you know, Penn State trying to be in that Ohio State Alabama Clemson conversation kind of works against them in this regard. Not really many coaches are are doing that 11 wins every single year, national title conversation, college football playoff conversation every single year. Uh, Penn State's taken that to the extreme over the past two years, though, with four and five and seven and six. But we hope that that is just the cycle that we're living through, like what we saw years ago in those other decades that we covered a few weeks ago, Dustin. All right, that is it for the 2010s. Again, we'll be back and finish up this series with the 2020s and put a bow on it. Dustin, thank you very much for all your insight, but that is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Fellow Nittany Lions, this is Bill Oldsey, one of your alumni elected trustees. It's been an honor serving you in our world-class university for the past nine years. Today, I'm asking for your votes again for me, Barbara Duran, and Ted Brown for re-election to the Penn State Board. We look forward to continuing our work with you as we take Penn State to even greater levels of success with honor, both academically and athletically. We are Oldsey, Duran, and Brown. Thank you for your continued support. Request your ballot at trustees.psu.edu. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com.